exciting and terrifying. <laughs> um, so as we come together as ladies this morning, we're going to read um, the two verses from Psalm 16, and I'm hoping that we're going to focus our time on today. I'm hoping that's what we are doing. Um, so it's Psalm 16. Thank you for the reminder. Sorry, Psalm 16, verses 5 and 6, and we will read the whole psalm later. For now, I'm just going to read those two verses. So it says, oh yeah, every single <laughs> The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. My heart is to come together as women today, uh, really is not to have another Sunday sermon and a nice breakfast, but instead to, instead to speak to you as women, as a fellow woman, from God's word about how we can best one of the Lord together. Um, with that in mind, the passage I've chosen for us today may seem a bit strange. It's not a typical women's types two passage that you'd go to. But as I considered what I could share with you ladies from my heart, um, from my own personal journey and walk with the Lord, this passage is what really weighed on my heart and my mind. Riley helpfully titled my talk in one of his blog posts, Flourishing Within Your Boundaries, or something like that. <laughs> so, trusting in the sovereign hand and leading of the Lord, that title reminds us today, remains for us today, Flourishing Within Your Boundaries, or something like that. <laughs> so, let me pray for us as we open God's word together. Heavenly Father, we thank you um, that you are always with us. Mm -hmm. um, you said that when two or three are gathered in your name, then you will be with us. Mm -hmm. So God, we thank you as we gather as your children today, as your um, daughters, Lord, um, that you promise that you are with us. Mm -hmm. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move amongst us, mm -hmm. illuminating our hearts and our minds to receive your word. God, I pray that the words that I speak, um, that you would bless and that you would use, mm -hmm. and that if anything um, is yeah, erroneous, that it would not be taken in by these ladies, um, but instead just your truth um, would mm -hmm. permeate into our hearts and our minds. Mm -hmm. Give us eyes to see, hearts to mm -hmm. receive, Lord, and would you be glorified today. Yes. In Jesus' precious name, amen. amen. How do you feel when you hear the word boundary? What comes to mind when you hear it? You could think of boundaries in terms of the ones that you set. Boundaries seem to be the hot word of self-care and interpersonal relationships these days. Um, setting healthy boundaries so you don't get blindsided by needy people. Setting limits for yourself with toxic people. Putting boundaries in place to take care of yourself. You can also talk about boundaries in terms of limits that are imposed upon you. And even in our culture that on one hand celebrates boundaries that you create, we really rail against boundaries that are being imposed upon us. Our world, our world has really gone mad in this regard, and you don't have to look very far to see it. Gender, sex, status, position. We've been raised in a culture that celebrates smashing at glass ceilings, obliterating limitations, and railing against natural distinctions. The air we breathe says no to limits and yes to freedom, liberty, choice and rebellion. As we dive into this psalm today, we're going to be given a completely different vision of boundaries. In short, 
It is my hope that we will see that the boundary lines of our lives are a gift to us from God for our <laughs> ultimate joy. The boundary lines of our lives are a gift to us from God for our ultimate joy. So let's dive into the psalm. I'm going to read the whole psalm. So if you've got your Bibles, open up to Psalm 16. And let me read it up to us in full. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also, my heart instructs me. I set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So if you look at the start of Psalm 16, it begins with a cry for help. Preserve me, O God. And it ends with an exaltation beginning in verse 8 with, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. How is David able to go from a cry for help to a declaration of strength? Well, really, in the rest of the psalm, David is preaching truth to himself. He is declaring all that God is to him, and as a result, he is bolstered and is able to rejoice in God. One of the truths that David preaches to himself in the midst of his anguished cry for help is the focus of our talk today. In verse 5 and 6, David declares... The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. David in these verses is declaring here that he has gone all in with God. He has chosen God as his treasure. His portion and his cup. Um, yeah, his portion and his cup. And God is the one who casts his lot or decides his fate controls his destiny. He further emphasises this point when he goes on to talk about the lines falling for him in pleasant places and the inheritance he has received as being beautiful. So what exactly is David referring to when he talks about these lines or his inheritance? What does it mean that God holds his lot? All of these words have to do with being provided for. The portion and cup are to do with food and drink. The lines refer to property lines or boundary lines, um, as does inheritance. And lot refers to anything else we could attribute to chance or fortune. These words would remind the original reader of the dividing of the land of Canaan and the apportioning of the land to the Israelites. Um, it especially is reminiscent of the priests, the priestly tribe, the Levites, and the Lord stating that 
even though they were to have no allotment of land specifically, that the Lord would be their portion. Mm -hmm. Basically, David is painting a picture of the complete sovereignty of God over the big stuff of life and the small. God is sovereignly reigning over all. God is sovereignly ordaining each and every circumstance of David's life. And see, David isn't just stating the sovereignty of God as a theological fact. He goes so far as to say that the inheritance he has received is beautiful. David is taking a perspective on the sovereign activity of God in his life, ordering every aspect of it, not simply as something to be endured or tolerated, but he is exalting in it. He is exalting that God is ordaining every aspect of his life. So question, when you consider the circumstances of your life, does your heart cry out along with David, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places? If you're completely honest with yourself, is the doctrine of the sovereignty of God a source of joy, comfort and delight to you? When you look at your gender, role in the church, marital status, family situation, your material wealth, your toddler's attitude problem, <laughs> your gifts, abilities, work situation, just to name a few. At the boundary lines of God, a truth that you preach to yourself in the midst of the extraordinary and mundane circumstances of your life in order to lead your heart to rejoicing. Yeah. Or are you sitting here thinking, well, David was a king. That was easy for him to say that he had a beautiful inheritance and that his boundary lines were all in pleasant places. He lived in a palace. He had servants. He was wealthy. He had prestige, power, might, honour. Um, if, my, if my life even looked at half as good as David's, I could say that the lines had fallen well for me. But if you delve deeper into the details of his life, we know that his life was always peachy. King Saul tried to kill him for years in fits of rage and then hotly pursued him for many more. His best friend was murdered. His son was taken by the Lord as a punishment for his sin against Uriah. And in his later life, his very own son tried to dispossess him of his throne. Never mind the weight and responsibility of leading a nation of people, fighting in battles and wars and having to hold diplomatic conference with other kings and rulers. The grass always looks greener, hey? <laughs> so how then was David able to find comfort in the sovereign hand of God? How was he able to cry out that his inheritance was beautiful? You see it in verse 5. The Lord is my chosen portion. Who has he chosen as his portion? God. God is, greatest. God is David's greatest treasure and delight. So come what may, God is his constant source of joy. And David recognises that all the circumstances of his life, whether they seem to be good or bad, are ultimately serving the purpose of more joy in God. This side of the cross, how much more confidence do we have? The New Testament is filled with promises that Christ's death, resurrection and resurrection have secured for us this truth. What David knew in part, we have seen the fulfilment of. We have sure promises that God is working all things together for our ultimate good in Christ. Through his resurrection has secured our eternal destiny and inheritance. 
Um, I'm just going to read um, Romans 8, verse 28, and then also 32. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And then 32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Mm. What beautiful promises we have, even more sure than the ones David had, mm. secured by Christ and his death. And then as we look at Ephesians 1, 11 to 14, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. How much more clear do we have it than David? Mm -hmm. David had this assurance from God that he would be secure and that his inheritance on this earth he could find joy in, but he knew he was secure with God. How much more clear is that for us? Mm -hmm. And it's also double-sided. David has chosen God as his treasure and nothing can shake that. But ultimately, David recognises God's hand behind it all. He sees that God is placing these boundary lines in his life, around his life, so that he can have more of God. Do you see that that's what God's getting done in your life? When your friend lets you down, when the plans of your week are upended by a sick child, when your spouse hurts you, when Mr. Right is nowhere to be found, when month after month there is a negative on the pregnancy test, when you're not as capable as the super mums that you see on Instagram or you're asked to give a talk at ladies' breakfast <laughs> when you feel like you have nothing to do. <laughs> do you see that God is placing these boundary lines in your life, these limitations, these circumstances, trials and difficulties so that you can have more of God? The boundary lines of our lives are a gift to us from God for our ultimate joy. John Piper puts it this way. My enjoyment in the sovereignty of God is that it is exerted mightily on my behalf to ensure that God stays my treasure. I'm going to read that again because it's so good. My enjoyment in the sovereignty of God is that it is exerted mightily on my behalf to ensure that God stays my treasure. So come what may, David is aware that the sovereign hand of God is ultimately working all things in his life together for his good, mm. namely that God would be his treasure and delight. Mm. He ends the psalm by saying it this way in verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is a path to life mm. that leads directly to fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Charles Spurgeon paints this truth so wonderfully in word pictures, so I can't help but share it in full. So bear with me and I can post it to the ladies' group later if you're like, oh, I need to read that again. Believer, if your inheritance be a lowly one, you should be satisfied with your earthly portion. For you may rest assured that it is the fittest for you. Unerring wisdom ordains your lot 
and selected for you the safest and best condition. A ship of large tonnage is to be brought up the river. Now, one part of the stream, there is a sandbank. Should someone ask, why does the captain steer through the deep part of the channel and deviate so much from a straight line? His answer would be, because I should not get my vessel into harbour at all if I did not keep to the deep channel. So it may be you would run aground and suffer shipwreck if your divine captain did not steer you into the depths of affliction, mm. where waves of trouble follow each other in quick succession. Some plants die if they have too much sunshine. It may be that you are planted where you get but little. You are put there by the loving husbandman because only in that situation will you bring forth fruit unto perfection. Remember this, had any other condition been better for you than the one in which you are, divine love would have put you there. You are placed by God in the most suitable circumstances. And if you had the choosing of your lot, you would soon cry out, Lord, choose my inheritance for me, for by my self-will I am pierced through with many sorrows. Be content with such things as you have, since the Lord has ordered all things for your good. Take up your own daily cross. It is the burden best suited for your shoulder and will prove most effective to making you perfect in every good word and work to the glory of God. Down busy self and proud impatience. It is not for you to choose, but for the Lord of love. Remember this, had any other condition been better for you than the one in which you are, divine love would have put you there. Spurgeon really is the prince of preachers. He illustrates so clearly this truth of the sovereign hand of God, directing, ordaining and planning each of our inheritances. The image of the gigantic ship making its way up the stream and then taking a seemingly wild route when there is clearly a straight line in front of it. The image of the indoor plant being scorched by the heat of the sun. Even if we can't see, don't understand or are baffled by the lot that the Lord has apportioned us, we can rest assured that the Lord of love has ordained it for some good purpose. The boundary lines of our lives are a gift to us from God for our ultimate joy. Before I move on to one practical application of this truth, I want to clarify what what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that as godly Christian women, we are to adopt a fatalistic view of life. Let go and let God, one that doesn't wrestle with God for our circumstances to change or for healing or deliverance. I'm not saying that we don't seek out help care, counsel, but instead just suck it up and accept it from God and move on. I'm not saying that we shouldn't seek out justice for wrongs that are committed against us and ask for vindication. I'm also not saying that this is easy, simple or straightforward. We would be foolish and misrepresenting God's word if we were to fall into those traps. Instead, Jesus is our perfect example a beautiful picture of crying out for deliverance and change, but still accepting the Father's ultimate plan and purpose. Mm -hmm. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he cries for the cup to be taken away, but concludes with, not my will, but yours be done. Mm -hmm. That is the kind of acceptance I'm referring to, one that wrestles, aches and longs, but has ultimate assurance, trust and hope in God's plan for our lives because we know that the boundary lines of our lives are a gift to us from God 
for our ultimate joy. Mm. What are the boundary lines God has set for you? What are the large, immovable boundary lines? And what are the mundane, everyday, circumstantial ones? One boundary line that each of us in this room has in common, one that is totally immovable and unchangeable, is that we're women. (laughs) That is a boundary line that the Lord has set for you. In the sea of gender fluidity that we are currently swimming in, this is a boundary line that can feel hard or confusing to celebrate. Is it pleasant to you that God has made you a woman and not a man? Is it a boundary line that holds much meaning to you? Have you considered that as God was forming you in your mother's womb, he said, woman and not man? As we look at the scriptures, there are boundary lines that are tied up in gender. There were roles, distinctions, imperatives that God had given just to us as women. Boundary lines to do with modesty, submission, our conduct and role in the church and home and how we are meant to conduct our days. There are boundary lines even tied up in our physicality, the monthly woes, the biological clock, our physical strength and emotional chaos that can sometimes overcome us. Are you someone who struggles with this? Remember? The boundary lines of our lives are there to push us, hedge us in, protect us so that Christ is our supreme treasure and delight. Consider in what ways does being a woman challenge you and in turn make you treasure God more than anything else. By way of illustration, I wanted to share with you one way that this truth has really impacted my life. When Evie and Jasper were little, uh, Riley began to get more and more involved with the life of the church. And more often than not, I was left at home with the children. I was already a stay-at-home mum, so home was really where it was at for me. If the kids were sick, I would be the one to stay at home from church to care for them. If we couldn't get a sitter, I would be the one who would stay at home to care for them. This would all go along fine, uh, and so probably once every six months, I would have a total meltdown. <laughs> Rather would announce that he had another meeting to go to or some other fun event to be involved in that I wasn't going to be involved. The tears would flow and I would get mad. I would wail and bemoan my lot in life and the fact that Riley was always the one to go and do fun things. Um, I clearly wasn't thinking very level-headedly because that really wasn't true, but that's just how I felt in the moment. Um, But slowly but surely, I'm not even sure, or I can't pinpoint the exact things, but the Lord used a whole number of different things in my life. Um, And I began to see the practical implications of the doctrine of the sovereignty of God. I began to see in the scriptures the calling God had on my life as being very different from the call on Riley's. I began to see that really God had chosen me to be a woman and not a man. God had chosen for me to be a woman of a husband who had a particular calling on his life, which then in turn meant that I had a particular calling on mine. I began to see that God was the one who had set these boundary lines in my life. He was calling me to this, not Riley. And I started to embrace and find contentment in the boundary lines that the Lord had set for me. By embracing the boundary lines that the Lord had set for me, the joy wasn't just waiting for me in heaven, but I began to be able to enjoy my lot in the here and now, knowing that God had ordained it as the one best suited to me. Don't hear me say that I've got this all figured out. Um, I still have my moments. But God has really grown me in this area. He's continuing to do so. So circling back to my introduction, how do you feel when you hear the 
boundary. Maybe you wrestle with this and you're a real product of our culture that really wrestles with the idea of someone, even God, setting the boundary lines of your life and saying this far, no further. Mm -hmm. This is a massive topic and one that truly captures every aspect of our lives. I have barely begun to scratch the surface, but what I hope I have done is whet your appetite for searching out how the boundary lines of our lives are a gift to us from God for our ultimate joy. The boundary lines of our lives are working together to give us more of God in whom there is fullness of joy and at whose right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the Lord who sets our boundary lines. Mm. We thank you that you hold our lot. Mm. And Lord, we thank you that this comes from a heart of love, not one of um, displeasure, not one of anger or frustration, but instead this comes from a heart of love that wants to give us more of you, mm. in whom there is fullness of joy and at whose right hand are pleasures forevermore. Mm. God, I pray for each of the ladies in this room and each of the ladies on Zoom. God, I pray that you would help us to have more of you, more delight in you, more treasure in you, and that you would teach us, Lord, how this applies to each of our individual lives and circumstances. Lord, would you cause your word to bear fruit? I pray this in Jesus' good name. Amen. Amen. Oh, what a massive, yeah, topic. And there's so many ways that we could go, but I think Annie did a great job um, taking us to the heart of the issue. And, Thank you for doing that. Thank you for serving. Um, thanks for submitting questions. Were there any that came in through Zoom? No? Okay. Um, yeah, so on our panel today we have Anita. When I, since really grasping this truth and um, seeing the practical implications of the sovereignty of God in the day-to-day, when my plans don't go the way I was hoping, you know, when the baby doesn't nap and you were expecting them to nap for two hours and you had all this stuff to get done in the middle of that time, when your car breaks down, when... um, just when things go wrong mm. in the day-to-day, mm. 
since really understanding, okay, the Lord is sovereign. He has ordained this to be. You know, the Lord in his wisdom and understanding has decided that my job will not today. It has given me um, the ability to laugh at the days to come, almost like it says in Proverbs 31. Um, I'm not as easily flustered or thrown by curly circumstances that come my way. I'm able to go, all right, the Lord's seen fit that this is how my day is going to go. It's, it's, it's kind of helped me to hold my plans loosely um, and not um, grasp at things to be a certain way. Um, yeah, so it's really... Would you, know, you say that's more of an acceptance rather than a delight to you? Know? I think what it's done is it's almost like a two-stage process mm. where, where the more you begin to accept those circumstances that come your way, you're, then you grow almost in this thanksgiving mm -hmm. in the circumstances that the Lord's thrown your way mm -hmm. and you're then able to laugh at the day. Like you know, laugh as in, in joy, just go, oh, Lord, that's, that's funny. That you, <laughs> you know, like honestly, like I'm able to do that and that's the God, God's grace in my life. I haven't done that myself, but it's honestly how this truth has practically impacted me. I'm able to just go, oh, like so yesterday, Judah just did not want to sleep. And he finally went to sleep for like the shortest amount of time. And I woke up and I was like, oh, great. This is because I needed a nap too. I woke up and I was ready to kind of be like, oh, grumpy, whatever. And I was like, oh, it's so good that this is how, you know, and I was able to accept first, but then almost delight him and just go, okay. This is the lot that I've been mm -hmm. dealt today. Mm -hmm. This is what I've got. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's easier than others to mm -hmm. delight in the circumstance than others. But mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, rather than as you said, enduring or tolerating, you know, yeah. rather than just sucking it up and riding it through, mm -hmm. kind of choosing yeah. to accept it and mm -hmm. see it. Yes, yeah, there's a place for both. Yeah, yeah. So, you know what I mean in that sense of it. It's almost like the accepting is the starting point, yeah. and the delighting mm -hmm. is the yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I guess I sort of represent the single key. <laughs> <laughs> you! <laughs> 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 As I was reading this song, sometimes when I think boundaries, it's, it's uh, what comes to mind is actually something restrictive, right? You're actually bounding between us. But in this psalm, I think it actually talks about that the boundary lines is God's sovereign goodness that has dispensed me um, into God Himself. Mm. As in, so a quote from Piper, orders of my life are boundaries around where God is. Mm -hmm. um, and in that, instead of it being restrictive, it's actually really freeing that mm. He would fence me in like. Like he would fence the sheep in to protect us from wolves. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not restrictive, it's actually really free. Mm -hmm. um, and when I think about like that, mm -hmm. it's like um, when he says in verse 2, I have no good apart from you. Mm -hmm. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom all my delight. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to delighting in God in my practicality day to day, mm -hmm. it's looking at everyone else who is. 
I love that that's not a restriction that propels you though. Yeah. 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 Really cool. yeah. Because I think there's also like like in your day-to-day there are certain things where you need to constantly look to God and try and find an exception from the light in him. But then you can get massive trials, which is harder to do that with. And that's where hopefully the day to day of the little things sets your heart for the really large trials. Yeah. Um, so yeah. some of you will not feel joy in your heart whatsoever. Yeah. And but the God can still break your heart. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Over his life before. Yeah, yeah, but certainly didn't happen overnight. Yeah, so totally. that's great. Thanks, guys. Um, that actually sets us up for the next question, basically. <laughs> 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 um, so yeah, what happens in those situations then when we're struggling to find that joy in the boundary lines? Um, we can't find joy. It, it's, it seems impossible. And how do we get there? How do we get to that place where we can delight in the fencing in the clothes that God has um, sovereignly ordained in our lives? I think um, I was thinking of the James one passage where it says, find a joy when you endure all these trials. And I remember hearing that sermon a few years ago and being like, there's nothing joyful that I can find about a trial. And I think for me, it's been reflecting on that and why it is that we can find joy. And so for me, it's been more, um, my tendency is definitely to look, um, to struggle with contentment and to look sideways a lot. Like, why does she have that? Why is that kid sleeping? Why is that kid not having attention? Why is, you know, like, why is that person's got this life sorted? Um, And so I think in a trial, um, you do seek your comfort, the, the wisdom comes from, I was going to say, exactly what I needed to do about the saints preaching the truth to you. Um, I found from experience in my trial, so for my mom, who isn't a Christian, you know, if you're going to a child, she'll buy you new pajamas because Seb's not sleeping. That's like a practical thing, but it's not necessarily going to help the situation. Whereas someone preaching the truth of God ordaining this night and this child to you um, and helping you to see what you do have, I think we spend a lot of time thinking about what we don't. Um, and so for me, it's been more um, freeing myself from social media so I don't see someone else's playroom and think, oh, yeah, playroom to have a great life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 what I don't have. Yeah. And I think obviously in different trials, there's definitely a time for grieving a trial mm. and not finding joy in it, but seeking truth from others and um Actually, when we, I think, yeah, a sermon I heard was like your resilience is based on how fast you are to respond to um, what I do have, you know, yeah. what, what I can do, what I've got today. And I think a lot of the ladies in this room have taught me to see today for today and hour by hour. Mm-hmm. And you will see God's 
hand there. Even yeah. if it's bad, there will be some. God's cup is always full of love, yeah. even if our cup's empty. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm learning yeah. to trust that more and more, yes. to find that joy. Going through trials, and there's, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but when you're going through something, there's actually a there's times where you can make a choice whether you run to God or you run away from God, right? Um, there's actually, yeah, I think sometimes it comes down to you deciding to do as well, right? Um, and especially, so back to Psalm 15, um, verse 5, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup before my lot. He chose God. Mm-hmm. You know, in that moment, he um, really runs to worldly things, he ran to God. Mm-hmm. Um, and God keeps you in those senses, but you, you know, out of all the cups of wine, you know, all the different Shiraz's, Chardonnay's, everything. But I choose God as my cup, but I, mean, I want Shiraz. I want it. <laughs> 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 yes, Maybe someone can help me know that this is from because I'm good at knowing verses but not knowing what they are. <laughs> um, I Google it. Nico. <laughs> no, she's just sitting there with Bible stuff. <laughs> When I don't feel it, when I don't, when I'm struggling in the midst of something and I'm not seeing the Lord's hand in it, or I'm struggling to trust that He's working all things together for my good, or how can this be good? Um, I think the Lord's been teaching me almost obedience in the trial, and the obedience looks like giving thanks in all circumstances. Um, it's easier said than done, um, but like Alana was saying. And I was reading a Carol Mahoney article on Ecclesiastes. Um, and she was saying, actually, when we stop and look at the blessings that we have, even in the hardest of circumstances and trials, we have Christ. Mm-hmm. We're free from our sin. We have a you know eternal, sure um, inheritance in heaven. Mm-hmm. There's so like the blessings far outweigh mm-hmm. what we're experiencing now. So there's always something to be thankful because of Christ. Even if we look at all of our worldly circumstances and there's nothing in this life to be there always is. We're, always, you know, we're breathing, we can be thanks for that. But um, Christ, Christ is, we can always be thanks for Christ. Yeah. Brings to mind that song as well. Yeah. yeah. The, the circumstance of him hiding that hymn, isn't that? Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah. wife, it's five children that all died on a ship or something. Mm-hmm. And nothing left. They could write a song that is well with my soul and mm-hmm. basically lost every earthly thing that you probably cared about. Mm-hmm. It's really quite phenomenal, but it shows a heart. A heart connected to God, like a heart. Thankful. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
personally, I think it is a matter of just fighting and wrestling. Like when we can't do things or when we don't see what we can be thankful for. Almost like when David says, in, I think it's Psalm 49, when he tells, he preaches to himself, hope in God, for you shall yet, you shall again praise him. And it's that you're not feeling it now, but you will. Like just continually preaching to yourself, reminding yourself, but almost telling yourself how to feel, as opposed to letting your feelings. And then some psalms like that one, it doesn't end in exaltation. Yeah. It doesn't end in resolve. And it just ends in hoping God for you shall yet again praise him. And it's holding on, almost holding on to that promise and telling your emotions and your feelings and that wrestle what to do and almost feeding yourself into submission in that moment, I think. Mm. Sometimes we won't. Yeah. Like we won't get there when we're feeling it, I think. And I think that's the wrestle, especially for us as ladies sometimes. Mm. It's like, well, yeah, I don't mm. emotionally feel that joy. Mm. But, um, yeah, holding on to the promise, I think. So the next question, which is, I think, a bit more personal, um, but related to what we just spoke about was what is one way that you have personally wrestled with the truth of God's sovereignty um, in your own life? So if you'd like, you're welcome to have a minute or two to think about that. Um, but yeah, whenever you're ready, you can kind of share with us one way that this has sort of played out in your lives personally. Um, maybe there hasn't been a result yet, or maybe it's a wrestle that's continuing to go on. The first time I actually really had to wrestle with God's sovereignty, I'm just saying it. I'm really giving myself to it. Whereas when, um, so as I reckon, I can get to tell you that a few years back, I was engaged to this guy. And um, God didn't let that marriage happen for whatever reason he wanted, right? Um, in that, I was really just down, bad, and everything like that, right? And questions came up, why, God, why? Um, and there were, there were times where it was like, I don't understand it. Like, why, why did you let it happen to a certain stage and then not let it happen? Like, that was what I was looking forward to, what I wanted at the time. Um, but God really taught me that throughout trials, mm. He always wants me to go back to Him. Mm. You know? um, and that, that seems to be the recurrent thing of whatever happens, like if someone else my job or an engagement broke up. It was, it was very much God wanted me for Himself. Mm. And I ran to idols, I ran to things that, mm. you know, weren't bringing myself to Him. And he really taught me to run to him mm -hmm. in my circumstances. In saying that, I mean, I'm a massive control freak, as a lot of you know. <laughs> and, you know, I want to fix pretty much everything on my own. Um, so it's pretty hard. Like, it's, it's been an ongoing journey, and I think it's a part of sanctification and people helping you through the, through the way, right? 
almost um, my calling as Riley's wife. Mm-hmm. I think at various times, I think I sit there and go, well, this is too much. Like, mm-hmm. why have you given this to me? Mm-hmm. And I think towards the end of last year, mm-hmm. I felt like I just reached my limit. And I was like, well, this is way too much. Why? Why has, why is right? And I wasn't even directing it to the Lord. I was more wrestling with Riley. It's like, why is Riley asking me to do all these things? And it really wasn't until I, like I said before, with, um, in previous times, just having to remind myself, the Lord has called me to this. Not Riley, not circumstantially. It's not just life is blind chance thrown this my way and asking me to do this. The Lord. Yeah. The Lord has put me here. Mm-hmm. The Lord has, yeah. So that's always a wrestle for me. Yeah. Thanks, ladies, for sharing so personally. Um, so I think we'll wrap it up with this last question. Um, if there were a few more that were submitted, but if there were any that weren't answered, please feel free to approach Maddie mm-hmm. or any of these ladies. I'm sure they'd love to speak with you. Um, so lastly, are there any resources you recommend that might help unpack and grow a biblical understanding of God's sovereignty and goodness? For example, Bible verses, books, podcasts, sermons, songs, etc. Mm. Yeah. Something that really helped me with understanding the sovereignty of God, um, it sounds really crazy because it's a novel, but it was written for this purpose by, and I'm shared this with so many of you before. It's called Stepping Heavenward um, by Elizabeth Prentice. And it's, yes, well, <laughs> I got like six copies to give away and not care about. So if you have one of my copies, keep it, it's fine. <laughs> um, honestly, that really helped shape my understanding of the sovereignty of God, ordaining all of our steps and how that even worked out practically day to day. That was a really wonderful thing for me. Um, one other thing, another awesome person to read is Charles Spurgeon, like you heard in the quote. So morning and evening. Um, his morning and evening devotional is very accessible, easy to read. There's the old English in there. So <laughs> sometimes I just have to like reread it and like change the words to be translated a little bit. Most of the time it's awesome, but he is someone who lived and died by the providence of God in the good and the bad things of life. And that's really shaped and helped me in my understanding. So morning and evening, anything by Charles Spurgeon, but morning and evening is a really accessible. the extra minute of the conversation that I have and my perspective is to be annoyed that the light is red <laughs> and then I'm like so I think for me it was like really challenging to see it two different ways and every chapter he asks you how did you go on that last week um and so awesome. I found it really helpful to be like a week by week kind of applying what I've read it's super easy to read for us that are a bit slow on the reading 
I've always had, yeah, reading Christian novels. And Reason Motherhood, if you're a mom, is really helping me to um, just change my heart, my perspective to whinge, more to um, be thankful for what you have. And the gift it is to be a mom. The book? The book and the podcast. The book's excellent, though. Yeah, there's a book. You need to borrow I've got it. I read a bunch of yeah. Of of Indo Who's it by? Reason why like
is governed and ordained by you. We thank you for this truth. We thank you when it comes to believe, Lord. And we just want to walk in obedience in, in being grateful um, for the boundary lines that you have set in our lives. Lord, we just pray right now that you give us faith um, to believe these truths, uh, that we would be able to hold on to these promises firmly, Lord. Mm -hmm. um, and when it's hard to believe, Lord, would we cry out, um, yeah, that you would help our unbelief. Mm -hmm. Help us to wrestle faithfully. Um, as Anita said, help us not to turn away from you, but that our mm -hmm. suffering will propel us towards you. And I thank you, Lord, that none of it is in vain. Um, it is producing something. It is producing steadfastness and growth, Lord. So thank you, God, that you are more passionate and relentless about our sanctification than we are. Mm -hmm. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be doers of the word, not just hearers. And as we walk away, help us to live out these truths um, for your name's sake and for our joy, Lord. Um, as we go home today to our husbands or to our empty homes or to our children or whatever it is that we're going home to, help us to live out the truths that we've heard today. To have joy that comes from you. Um, yeah, and would we? Gain from it, Lord. Mm. Um, yeah, thank you, God. We thank you for Maddie, mm. um, for her time, and mm. just the ways that you've spoken to her. Um, she wasn't prepared, and we just ask that you'll continue to be magnified in the way we live our lives.